0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the
1: Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want
0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out podcast. Hitting record literally less than two minutes after Carlos Dunlap just sacked Kyler Murray to end that game. Uh, wow, that was that was entertaining. The, the Seattle Seahawks and the Cardinals have just played in two just riveting games so far. That, that was fun. Uh, Seattle really is just you put them in prime time. they live up to the hype. We, we will dive into this game really on both sides. It was just just fantastic and the entertainment I, I can't that was awesome uh we'll dive into some other stuff too i i have a coach that i think the chargers should go after after this offseason clearly they're going to need one anthony lynn is you know going to be done john gruden they paid him a lot of money by far his biggest chance to have his biggest win this weekend sunday night against the chiefs in in a very very big game three for the money we'll dive into I'll, i'll just i'll hit like four or five games just really quick some games that interest me of course, Middlecoff Mailbag at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Slide up in those DMs uh, and leave a question. We answer them here on the People Show. Also, three and out podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. I know some of you listen on Collins Feed. Subscribe to my podcast if you can. I'd greatly appreciate it. And if you like the show, Apple iTunes, leave a review. Helps us sell the show. Helps the algorithms and people find the show. And uh, I- I'd greatly appreciate it. You know who Seattle reminds me of? It hit me tonight watching them. They kind of remind me of SEAL Team 6. Because you're watching them, you go, they're not going to pull this off. This did not go their way tonight. Oh, something went wrong. And they always find a way to come out victorious. You know when SEAL Team 6 went in and take out Osama Bin Laden? They had practiced in Virginia Beach like, you know, months. They built the hut where he was. They had gone through like 150 different ways the mission could go. Just like you do in a, pr- a practice during the week of NFL, right? Or any football, it could be high school. You go through all the different scenarios. Yet when the game comes, it never looks the same. Well, the one thing with Seattle, and they have played in the craziest games really over the past decade. You're watching them, you're like, "They're going to screw this up. They're not going to they're not going to win this game." And they always come out victorious. SEAL Team 6, they went to go get Osama, the helicopter crashes. Everyone inside the building knows they're there. You know what happened when the dust settled? There was a bullet between Osama's eyes. I'm watching the game tonight, just like I've watched in the game for the last, basically, five or six years, ever since it's really become Russ's team. You never think they're going to pull these games out. And they constantly pull them out of their ass. I don't know if it's what they do during the week with Pete Carroll. Clearly, they train different. Clearly, Russell trains different. I don't know how they do it. Their defense can't cover anyone until they have to. Then they make plays. But there was a stat, they were 70-3 and when leading going into the fourth quarter. Think how many, since Pete Carroll has been the head coach. Think how many times over that period of time, they've lost a lead, it's looked crazy, Russ goes Houdini, and tonight, it wasn't Russ, it was the defense. It was Carlos Dunlap sacking Kyler Murray basically to end the game. But the defense had made several plays on that final drive because they get the ball back, I go... I think Arizona's going to score. You always think Seattle's going to lose. They're basically the Chargers, except they win all the games. I'm thinking they're going to go right down the field, Cliff's going to go for two, Kyler's going to run it in, and Seattle's going to get walked off. Of course not. You think SEAL Team 6, when the, when the helicopter crashed, thought we're going down, we're not going to pull this off? Hell no. For whatever reason, say what you want about Pete Carroll. His teams consistently play in the most batshit crazy games in the NFL consistently them and the Chargers. The difference is the Chargers whatever they're doing to train Monday through Saturday is not working. They always lose and they have been losing pretty consistently for the last several years. Seattle on the other hand has played in these wild games even since like they, you know, the first iteration of the LOB crew up until tonight and it feels like they win 8 out of 10 of them. I don't know what it is. You know, you've heard all these stories. I've never read Pete Carroll's book. I've actually never, I don't think ever been to a practice, even when he was at USC, the competition Tuesdays, the craziness, the shooting baskets. Whatever it comes with staying loose, but factoring in the competition, it works. Because their guys don't freak in these moments. Where I'm on my couch, i think thinking they're going to lose. Kyler's, Kyler, they can't stop them right now. They got no chance. Their defense stinks. And I, every time I say their defense stinks... Their two linebackers, K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner, just make big plays. I mean, those guys are studs. Carlos Dunlap, they trade for him. He makes big plays. Jamal Adams, while he's a flawed player, he comes through. It, it, it really is a testament. Like, SEAL Team 6, the reason they win is not on the day of the mission, when they take out the bad guy. They win when they train. Anyone that's studied or read about you know, SEALs or Marines, it's in the training. That's why football has so much in common with the military. That's why the that's why NFL people they love people in the military. They have a lot in common with them. The discipline, uh, what it's like. You, you really before you go to battle, before you play a game, you spend so much time working leading up to it. In Seattle, whatever they do, it works. Cause I I, I really can't put my finger on it. Sometimes their offense looks like shit. Russell just runs around, throws it up. Their defense, I mean, gives up these touchdowns. Uh, on the one where Kyler threw a back to kind of get him back in the game, there wasn't a soul within 30 feet of him. You're like, it, it looks so terrible, but for whatever reason, they never, ever crumble. I, I, I really think that's Pete Carroll's probably the greatest compliment I can give him. W- when the games get the craziest, it's kind of when his teams play the best. And I know, big picture, they've only won one Super Bowl. They obviously had the one where Russell threw the pick. But I think for... When you look at the totality of the data that we have on the franchise and under Pete's leadership, it it truly is incredible because they they don't have their A-game. I mean, now part of it, I mean, they're just kind of a flawed team. Their A-game, like, they don't have that many good players, especially on defense. But, man, they they find a way to win these games. And what else can I say about Kyler Murray? Uh, He's just electric. He's fun to watch. Listen, I'm, I'm not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury guy, but I had this thought watching him coach the game tonight, is that, you know, and everyone everyone came back to me on Twitter, well, he got Mahomes. It's way easier for him probably to be an NFL coach than it was the coach at Texas Tech. Because at Texas Tech, all of his best players, like Kyler Murray, uh, Hopkins, uh, Kenyon Drake, he couldn't have gotten these guys at Texas Tech. People are like, well, he got Mahomes. Mahomes' two, next two best offers were Houston and Rice. He didn't get guys that were going to Clemson. I mean, Kyler, when he went to Texas A&M, uh, Hopkins, went to, Hopkins went to Clemson. Drake, Kenyon Drake went to Alabama. He has talent on offense. You know, Christian Kirk's a Texas A&M guy. He, he, he does have a lot of talent on offense. And even Isaiah Simmons, who, you know, had kind of a coming out party tonight, made some plays. Now, granted, some of the plays came right at him, but I'll give him credit. Like, you just make some plays. Like, he wouldn't have sniffed that guy. It actually is, like, it's harder, I think, for a guy coming from Ohio State, from Oregon, from Alabama, from LSU sometimes to the pros. Because those guys get, Pat Hill told me this once when I was at Fresno State. He's like, you know, when you're at USC, he's talking about Pete Carroll, every every signing class he has is like a top 10 pick, right? It'd be the equivalent in the NFL. Like, he, he gets unlimited first rounders in terms of high school talent. When I was at Fresno State, we'd be lucky to get, like, one second rounder. Right? I'm talking about kids coming out of high school in terms of like where they could go. Most of the guys, you got to find a bunch of gems. You know, we're recruiting 4th, 5th, 6th rounders. The equivalent in recruiting. When you're at Texas Tech, he wasn't getting blue-chip talent. Patrick Mahomes has become a blue-chip player. But coming out of high school, you think Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia were offering him scholarships? No, they weren't. So Kenyon Drake, like that guy, can you imagine? Think about most of the people like Texas Tech, Mike Leach, their running backs, they don't look like Kenyon Drake. So he's actually better suited for the league once he gets Kyler Murray, who is just, I mean, just a special player. And I say it all the time, the most underrated attribute of an NFL quarterback. We talk all the time about arm strength and being able to make all the throws and can you read a defense, which is really important. But the thing that we can never quantify, but coaches and general managers and, and your teammates, they know it, is toughness. And tonight, he got rolled up on earlier when he got slammed on the ground. And he clearly got, his shoulder was not right. He never came out of that game. They are working on him on the sideline, kept coming in. He just kept playing through it. like I, He actually earned some more of my respect. And I already love the guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Just as a fan, you can just sit on the couch and enjoy watching him play. And I would imagine if you you knew a lot of people in the NFL, players or coaches. They would say the same thing. Uh, they might not say it publicly, but like privately, they're like, "Yeah, I really enjoy watching that guy play." Uh, especially people that are in his division. Like he's just a fun player. And when you're a t- when you're a fun player, and then on top of that, you're tough, then you earn the respect of the league. And tonight was a game where Seattle was throwing some haymakers at him. You know, sending Jamal at him nonstop, slamming him to the ground. And that little dude keeps popping up, and he keeps slinging, he keeps swinging. And the one thing about Seattle is they might not be quite as physical as they once were, but they, they still come. And uh, I, I was really, really impressed with him because sometimes when you get dinged up, you see it all the time. Quarterback just kind of doesn't have it tonight, not going to bring it tonight, just, you know, it's kind of going to go try to avoid some hits and you're not going to be able to run all the same plays. Like, it didn't phase him at all. He just he looked like he was playing normally, which which is really impressive. And at the end of the day – I was I, I gave Arizona no shot at the beginning of the season. Now they're six and four. listen, i, I I'm still like I'd bet against Cliff Kingsbury and I definitely bet against Vance Joseph, but I their quarterback is just fantastic. And when you have a quarterback this good, like they should make the playoffs. And right now, just pulling up their schedule, they're six and four. They get the Patriots next week, who are probably going to be 5-5. Five and five. That'll be a big game at New England. That's that's a big game for Cliff. Then they get the Rams. I mean, these next two weeks are pretty big, especially the Patriots win this weekend. Like, the, the, all of a sudden you could look up and they can be 6-6. Six and six. Like, this is time for Cliff. This is a big moment for Cliff these next two weeks, playing Belichick and then playing the Rams. Then you get a little bit easier, the Giants and the Eagles. The Niners are all banged up. Then you get the Rams again. But this is a big little stretch these next two weeks. Because if they can win one of these games and get either to seven and four or seven and five, they're in pretty good shape. One story I saw circulating this week was Joe Judge, the coach of the New York Giants, had had allegedly gotten into a fight, or Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach, had fought him, and then he fired him. And immediately, everyone around the New York Giants. They, they go to all the reporters, all claimed it was false. Unequivocally not true. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know if it's true or not, but I do think the story is very believable. The coaching profession is very high stress. It's very, it's full of a lot of just crazy dudes. <laughs> that, that, that's as simply as I can put it. Full on crazy dudes. In a way, to be a good coach, I think you got to be a little nuts. And I've never personally seen two coaches fight. I've seen it get damn close, especially when I was at Fresno State. And I was around Coach Hill, who most players who ever played for Coach Hill would all tell you, Coach Hill's a crazy man, in a good way. I love Coach Hill. Coach Hill changed my life for the better. But I always, in a weird way, feared him. Not like uh, he was physically going to assault me or whatever, but the guy was a badass, and no one fucked with him. No player, no offensive lineman, the other team. He was fearless. The the two best coaches, obviously, I've only worked for two, were both fearless, and both of them were former offensive linemen. The reason I got the job with the Eagles was because Pat Hill is boys with Andy Reid, and they're different. Like, their personalities are different, but they're both kind of similar, and I wouldn't mess with either. And Pat's smaller than Andy, but I listen, I saw Pat get damn close, get very angry at an assistant coach one time. I've seen him go nuts on players. Andy's a little different, at least when I was around him. His style's a little bit different, but there ain't a soul messing with Coach Reed. And I, I think part of being a good coach is being a little nuts. And Mark Columbo is six foot nine, three hundred plus pounds. And I listen, Joe Judge, I was hard on when he made coaches run around. If he did fight Mark Columbo, which I would not put it past him, because I think Joe Judge is a little nuts. Cause to work for Bill Belichick and to work for uh Nick Saban, you gotta be a little crazy. I mean, look at some of the coaches that have done that. Like the Must Champs, the Kirby Smart's, the Bill O'Briens. Josh McDaniels, these guys are lunatics. You can't be afraid of physical confrontation. Now, most coaches aren't throwing haymakers at each other, but I'd imagine it ain't the, Have there been fistfights the last several years in the NFL and college football of their own staff, one million percent? And I would imagine most corporate offices now and most businesses aren't quite as crazy as they once was. Uh, you're not getting screamed at. It's kind of a dying, just the way to treat people. And listen, I, I just think part of coaching is you're just constantly in that mode and everyone's on edge. The games mean so much. The the, the difference about coaching with a lot of professions is like you lose a game or two or five or six, like you could lose your job. So you always feel like you're on tilt competing for your job. And then most, a lot of coaches are former players, big guys, big alphas, big egos. The money's big now. Like, it's just, when I saw that, I said, yeah, it doesn't shock me. If anything, I give respect. Do you know how crazy you'd have to be? Like I met Joe Judge at the combine, pretty big guy. You know, former quarterback, played at Mississippi State, I think. Mark Colombo went in the first round. He's 6'8, 330 pounds. But do you know what, like, a coach that, yeah, you know what Parcells would have done? Probably fight him right, Tom Coughlin, yeah, he might he might fight him, Pat Hill probably fought him like that's like you, you gotta be a little nuts, you gotta be loco like i i i I kind of the more and more I think about this story, I think it's believable now, were they full on throwing haymakers, maybe not did some did Columbo, I know Kim Jones reported he called him something, imagine him this Mark Columbo if you're kind of crazy, like Joe judge is. And Mark Colombo, it gets heated, and as Kim Jones said, he called him one of the worst words in the English language. Let's just say he called him a pussy. You don't think that's borderline fighting words? We're just two men. I mean, at the end of the day, you say to be a professional. And you know what I was thinking? You know who probably likes this? The Giants. You know the two best coaches under the Mara leadership? Parcells and Coughlin. You know what both those two guys have in common? They're nuts. They're crazy. They kind of like that. You know the problem with McAdoo? He was like a weird crazy. He just didn't have it. You know the problem with Schirmer? He was just kind of bleh, boring. No one feared him. If if word gets out to the players that 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 coach fought that guy, I mean, Mark Colombo is probably bigger than most offensive linemen on their team in the league. Like, you get some respect that way. And I'm not saying that's why he did it. I think he fought him because he's probably kind of nuts. I mean, he is. You, you don't work for Belichick for the last six, seven years and then come from Saban without being kind of crazy. I respect it. I'm going to believe no matter what, no matter how many of these reporters tell me it's not true, I'm going to believe there's a sliver of chance it happened. And I have a newfound respect for Joe Judge. Uh, I, I've just watched his team play. I can tell. Like, yeah, he's kind, he's got the good football. And again, when I say nuts, like, I mean that in a good way. The best coaches harness it right? Andy, Sean Payton, Belichick, Pete, they do it different ways, but they, they, they're not normal. They're not, like, you see some assistant coaches, and I always knew this, like, you can meet an assistant coach, like, yeah, he's never going to be a head coach. Nah, I don't think that's going to work. Now, times have changed, right? I You know, there's McVeigh's, and even Kyle Shanahan, like, they, they're not screaming and yelling and fighting anybody, but the old school ones, the guys that came up in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> they're crazy, man. And that's what's weird about Joe Judge is he's really like Kyle and McVeigh's age group, right? He's in this like, what's he, 39, 40? But he's kind of wired when you hear him talk like an old school guy. I say this about Lincoln Riley all the time. When I had him on the show like two years ago, I remember talking to him. He's like three years older than me. I'm like, Lincoln sounds like 55. And I and I remember Bruce Feldman was like, yeah, you meet, I met Lincoln when he was like 30. I was like, God, this guy's an old soul. Like L- Lincoln's kind of old school. And to, to be a good coach, it's like there are probably certain professions where you just got to be nuts. And sometimes being nuts, I, I think sometimes being nuts is like a negative connotation people look down on. I actually always respect it. Think about some of the nutty guys right now. I think Elon Musk, nuts. Nothing but respect for the guy. I think he's freaking awesome. I love the guy. He's like one of my favorite humans going. I can't get enough of Elon Musk. Might be the craziest guy going. And I'm telling you, I just think if Joe Judge went after a guy that big, he's got a chance in this league. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
1: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast
3: presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
1: or company in life that has a big set of balls, who is not afraid to take big swings. And you know what happens when you take big swings? Just like in baseball, sometimes you hit a home run, and sometimes you strike out. But if you go up to the plate afraid, and I was a terrible baseball player, because I always thought I was going to strike out, and I didn't play really past Little League. I couldn't hit, because I I just remember being at the plate. like I, I suck. I was awful at it because I always thought in my mind I'm going to go up there and strike out. And then as I've gotten older, and once I got actually out of football into radio, I got to be around the San Francisco Giants and around the uh, around the Oakland A's, the good team with like uh, Josh Donaldson, Yoenis Cespedes, even Brandon Moss had a bunch of home runs. And the mindset of the Buster Poseys, of the Hunter Pence's, of the Josh Donaldsons was like they don't go up to the plate thinking they're going to strike out; they go up to the plate thinking they're going to hit it hard. And it's why I have nothing but respect for like a guy like Jerry Jones, who, if you read his story when he got the Cowboys, he put it all on the line. Every single penny in 1989 to buy the Cowboys. You know, I, I read the Bob Iger book during Corona, and he made some incredible big swings. He made some misses too, but he went after Pixar. He went after Marvel. and It changed Disney's business forever. But... When you do that, it's not. Sometimes it's not going to work. But if you go into it with that mindset, you're going to fail. And I, I've always hated cheap people. And I understand a, a cheap person that doesn't have much money, who is you know goes somewhere and, and just questions how much things cost or is hesitant to buy. stuff. I get it. If you don't have the money, I don't have that much respect for people once they get money that that are cheap. Uh, I, I just. I, it honestly kind of ticks me off. Now, granted, my two favorite athletes in life are Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Both are notoriously cheap. And it's the one thing about them that I personally would red flag. It's like, I get it if you grow up poor and both neither of them grew up with much money. Michael definitely. Tiger not really either. But once you get around it and start getting stupid wealth, like, I, come on guys, leave a tip. Treat people well with money. You have an unlimited amount. I, I get being conservative with money. Good businesses are, right? You don't just blow it. But I, I've always hated cheap people. And my dad was a farmer, and he he worked in the farming business my, you know, 34 years of life while he was alive. And they did a lot of their business from the Sacramento area down through, like, Fresno, the Valley. And in the Valley, which is basically Sacramento down to Bakersfield, it kind of goes throughout the entire state of California. Uh, it's it's a huge farming area. And it's actually really growing, you know, right now because people can't afford to live in L.A. or San Francisco. They, they, they live in the Valley. And the most, you know, one guy in that, you know, I remember growing up that always hearing stories about one of the best businessmen in the Valley was a guy with the last name Spanos. He owned, his family owned the Chargers. And this was Dean who now owns the Chargers' grandpa. The guy's a legend. And when I was at Cal Poly, just a little D1AA school, John Madden once coached there, they donated like $10 million to help us build the stadium. And again, the stadium, I, I would imagine if some of you guys were listening like Florida or Texas or hell, there are probably stadiums in Los Angeles that are, that are nicer than Cal Poly's football stadium. But relative to what it was, it was a huge upgrade. They have a ton of money. Now, obviously their football team is worth a boatload, But their investments over, you know, a 50-year period in real estate throughout the Valley, the farmland, which is very, very, very valuable. (laughs) It doesn't just feed California. There's a reason we're a top 10 economy in the world. Because the farmland is enormous. And it feeds the country and the world. I mean, part part of it. Obviously, not everybody. But you know what I'm saying. And it's why I've always looked at the Spanos family, who are known to be notoriously cheap as a head-scratcher. Like, I respected Al Davis. Al Davis did not have any money. The only business he owned was the Raiders. And really, if you read about how he got it, it was pretty shady. You know, where I come from, I'd say it was good business. But depending on what side of the deal you were on, it's kind of like a hostile takeover. He did not have cash. He also was not a businessman, right? He was a football guy. And they never had any extra cash. But every penny that he got a hold of, he would put toward the football team. He would, and it would get him in trouble. It was why he had, especially as the business really took off in the 2000s, they had these crazy holdouts. He didn't have the cash on hand to pay Jamarcus Russell. They did not have the money in the bank. Where Dean Spanos, when he gets in these knockdown dragouts historically with all these players, it's not because he doesn't have the money. It's because he doesn't want to pay them. Now, I understand he might not have Jerry Jones money or... Paul Allen, RIP money, or or whatever. But still, like, I don't respect that. But here's reality in 2020. His franchise has never been more valuable. He plays in this, you know, what looks like on TV, no fans or whatever, SoFi Stadium, which is incredible. He put zero money toward it. You know what he did? He pays $1 in rent. Say that out loud. He pays $1 in rent. His football team is is in absolute shambles. We are, you know, five, six days away from Thanksgiving. His football team has two wins. Unlike the Jets and unlike the Bengals, they actually have good football players. They have star players at multiple positions. I haven't even brought up the quarterback, who I think I just read broke a record six straight games as a rookie with two or more touchdowns thrown consecutively in a game. Like, the quarterback is good enough to win. And they're going to end up with three or four wins. Here's the problem. Historically, they always go cheap on a coach. Why? Because they have a cheap owner. And he doesn't ever want to pay. And when I worked for the Eagles and Andy got fired, Jeffrey Lurie went big game hunting. Because you can't just go from Andy Reid to a Mike McCoy or an Anthony Lynn. That would be a disaster. Now, ultimately, the Eagles ended up being a disaster under Chip Kelly but they went after the number one guy on the market. And actually, before they got to Chip Kelly, they had offered Bill O'Brien, who everyone thinks now is the Village Idiot, was by far the number one candidate on the market for a couple-year period. He said no. You know why? Because money was not going to be an issue for him. Whatever it took to get the best possible coach in his mind, again, Chip Kelly, disaster. Now he's kind of absolutely stealing UCLA's money. I mean, highway robbery. Chip Kelly... Is is like a criminal, but what he's doing is legal. He's just stealing cash from a lot of people. I mean, the guy's made. I think he just sold his house to Mookie Betts. He has made a stupid amount of coin. I mean, and so I saw someone say he hasn't had a winning season since 2014. So think about that. But this is what Dean Spanos and this and the Chargers need to do. They need to go big game hunting. And there's a guy right now. Who, listen, I, I I think he's a little fraudulent with some of his moral stuff because he gets on his high horse. And if you look at his teams, th- they haven't really represented that. But I've never once disputed that this guy wasn't an elite head football coach. Now, granted, he's only done it in college. I would gladly take the swing on him, and that's Urban Meyer. What he did at Florida and what, he's, what he did at Ohio State was like run circles around everyone. He knows talent. He knows how to coach. He knows how to hire assistant coaches. Like He's a star head coach. Now, here's the thing with Urban Meyer. He's not Anthony Lynn. He doesn't cost $5 million a year. Probably costs like twelve. But you want to start winning or you want to give your team a chance to win. How about you hire a guy like that? Interview a guy like that? How about Brian Kelly, who now has proven over a decade where you shouldn't be this good at Notre Dame given the academic climate in 2020, is pretty freaking good. We just saw him. Now, granted, Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing, but the five star kid was beat Clemson. And whether or not they're better than Clemson, you know, it's probably Clemson beats them six or seven times out of 10. It's not the point. He's at a disadvantage there. I can get anyone into Clemson. I can't get anyone into Notre Dame. Anyone listening to this Notre Dame f- fan understands that. And I would imagine Clemson fans, if you acknowledge that, it's, it's just a fact. But go after these big time guys, stop going after just your four or five million dollar assistant coach. You have all this talent. You are in a new market, which last time I checked is a star market. To move the needle, you have to win, but not just win, win with stars. Well, it looks like you got a star quarterback. You got Keenan Allen. You got Joey Bosa. You got players. While you don't pay anything to play there, you do play in a bright light place. Go get a big-time coach. Go interview Urban Meyer. Now, here's the problem. I don't know what the status is of the general manager, Tom Telesco. Here's a reality. Urban Meyer is his own general manager. So is a guy like Brian Kelly. So was a guy like Nick Saban. So is a guy like Dabo Sweeney. They don't answer to people. So I would imagine if Tom Telesco wants to keep his job, he will want to hire, you know, Arthur Smith, Eric Bianami. And those guys might be good coaches. But I don't I already know that I got a chance to win with one of these other guys. Go take a big swing. The Chargers never take a big swing. And a wise man told me a long time ago, they said, you know, when you die whether you've got $100 in the bank or $100 million in the bank, Wells Fargo doesn't follow the hearst. <laughs> they don't pour the money in there when they put you six feet under. When you have this much wealth as a guy, use some of it. Take a big swing. Stop being so cheap. Because I can tell you right now, if the Chargers go cheap again, they're going to be what they've always been. Just middle of the road, have a couple moments because they got some talent. They'll never win shit if they... If they Open up their checkbook. Maybe they have a chance to finally get over the hump. Okay, speaking of uh, paying big money to get a coach, let's shift to, you know, arguably one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game this weekend, in the Raiders hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And the one blemish on the Chiefs' record this year is the Raiders, who beat them at Arrowhead, which is unheard of. Uh, I, I've been following the Raiders really closely for about a decade, and that just doesn't happen. Now, granted, a lot of the games have come late in the season when it was really cold, and it hasn't fared well for the Raiders. But earlier this year, they just kind of kicked their ass in the second half and, and, and beat them. It, it was wild. I mean, <laughs> it was it's probably one of the more shocking games this season that I've watched. And one thing Mark Davis did, I guess... This would be three years ago now is he fired Jack Del Rio on week seventeen of the season, fired him as he was basically walking off the field. And Del Rio had kind of made the Raiders credible again. They had been a laughing stock for like fifteen years. Missed picks, broke franchise in this just shithole of a of a stadium. It, it was gross. And Mark Davis, who I think at the time had already been uh, confirmed to go to Vegas, it was clearly rolling that way. And he took an enormous swing for John Gruden. Paid him $100 million. And a big reason he did that is because, and he said this before, he thought he's the best coach basically in the world. And we can argue that. It's clearly not true. But to Mark Davis, John Gruden meant a lot. And it was, I think it's fair to say, easily the biggest name that Mark Davis could get to coach the Raiders. Now, you could argue if you were willing to throw $100 million at a lot of people that they might have agreed, but if you don't follow the Raiders really closely, people probably still would have said no. And I gave him credit because at the time, Mark Davis did not have the money. And with the pandemic and the way everything's going, I mean, hell, he still might not. The, the Raiders are easily the most cash-poor franchise in the league. Now, that's going to change when eventually this stadium opens up and, and they start getting cash, season ticket holders and sponsorships and, and all that stuff. But this year, you ain't accepting the money. If I'm a sponsor, I ain't giving you cash. Uh, and and most, if you talk to most of these teams, like it's you're giving money back. But it's going to come. It's inevitable. Vegas is just a cash cow. The, the move, listen, uh, Oakland is a—it's just a dump city. Actually, it has some nice areas, but in terms of the politics of it, it's just an embarrassment of a place. And I i felt bad for my friends. I knew a lot of season ticket holders that, uh, that went to the Coliseum, which if you've never been there, don't waste any time ever going. I guess the only time you would go would be to an A's game. And uh, trust me, most of you don't watch A's games. I've seen the numbers, and about, you know, 5,000 people attend those games. But they had to leave to make some money. I, I felt bad for my friends. I wanted them to stay selfishly. wanted a couple teams here. But it, it was the right move. And-, and really, an NBA team should go in a major league. B- the-, the Oakland A's should move to Vegas as well. And the NBA should move a team to Vegas. Like, it- it's a no-brainer. Teams should be in Vegas. That's That's where they should be. They have a hockey team. They now have the football team. They should get a basketball team, and they should get a baseball team. It's uh, it's just, it makes too much sense. But when you give a guy $100 million, it's more than just putting him on billboards and being the most famous guy in your franchise. Because that does have value for a franchise like the Raiders. John Gruden brings value there. He's easily the most famous guy in the franchise. Of all the players, of the owner, of even the name the Raiders, John Gruden is by far their biggest star. So he was worth some value there. But ultimately, you're paying him to win games. And I'll give him credit. Last year, I thought they were going to suck. And they ended up going 7-9, and nine, which was much better than I thought. Especially after they had traded Khalil Mack, they had traded Amari Cooper. But this year, even with a horrendous defense, and part of that, I, I, I like Mike Mayock, and I, listen, he is not the ultimate boss in the franchise, that they've made some horrendous picks. I mean, drafting Cleveland Farrell number four overall when Devin White was on the board, I, I'm not just saying that today. I mean, we knew that at the time. It, it, it was insane. But I, I don't know enough about the inner dynamics of John Gruden can ultimately, he's in charge. That's what happens when you make $100 million. You get to pick anybody you want. So, but the defense is terrible. But still, they have been able to go 6-3. and three, And they've had some impressive wins. They beat the hell out of the Saints. They kind of shoved the Browns around on the road. And they beat the Chiefs. Like, they are a legitimate playoff team. I think I saw Travis Kelsey say today they're playing as well as, you know, basically any team in the National Football League. Now, that might be a little bit of coach speak coming from Coach Reed. But I think it, there's some validity there. They're 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 a top 10 team in the league right now. They're playing really well. If John Gruden can beat the Chiefs and sweep them this year and he'd be headed probably to an undefeated conf- uh, divisional record. He's already beat the Chargers, he's already beat the Broncos, he would have swept the Chiefs, probably beat those two teams again, he'd be 6-0 in the division. He probably still wouldn't win the division because the Chiefs would probably still get to like 13 and 3 and the Raiders best case probably would be like 11 and 5. But still, like it would start being really worth this 100 million dollars. I would say, I I think we could still go back and forth and argue if John Gruden's been worth it. He's definitely brought buzz to the franchise. But, you know, this is a huge year. They are in line to make the playoffs. But here's the thing with the AFC. If the Chiefs, who are a pretty big favorite, especially now that the Raiders' defense has basically all gone on the COVID list, I think like six or seven of the starters have gone on the list, you lose this game, all of a sudden six and three, and it looks like you're in the driver's seat for like the fifth or sixth seed, Well, you are 6-4. and And if the Ravens win, if the Colts win, if the Browns win, all of a sudden, you're behind the 8-ball again. And in fairness to them, splitting with the Chiefs is a win. So even if you don't win this game, big picture, you've already done well. But part of it, and a lot of people have been DMing me, like, is the AFC a lot better than the NFC? And the answer is yes. The AFC is a lot more competitive. I mean, we've been talking a lot. I thought the Ravens were locked to be the number 5 seed. I don't know about that anymore. I can't trust Lamar Jackson or the passing game. And the the Colts this weekend, like, they play the Packers. Here's the thing. Indy's defense is really good. Now, we can nitpick Phillip Rivers, and trust me, I will. But when it comes to their defense, it's top-notch. It's fantastic. The Dolphins play the Broncos this weekend. The Broncos are a terrible team right now now the Dolphins whenever they play in colder weather it's not looking at the weather right now it's supposed to be like 52 degrees but if they win that game and the Colts were to win that game all of a sudden both those two teams were to be seven and three so and the Ravens play the Titans which you know there's a little revenge factor there with the Ravens that is at home but no fans so I don't know if it matters ultimately my point is this he paid him a hundred million dollars and I I admire that it took balls it took He took a huge swing. It was it was something a lot of, especially teams in his own division, like the Broncos would never do something like that. Dean Spanos would rather light his money on fire than pay a coach that much money. So I appreciate that. But when you do get paid that type money, you eventually got to like do some big things. Anything less than a playoff appearance this year would be awful. That would be three straight years under Gruden, no playoffs. And it feels like they're a lock right now, but they're not really. Like I said, this week is a big swing week. You lose, which you're kind of supposed to lose, and all these other teams win. Now you're behind the eight ball. And they still have Miami and Indy on the schedule. So the the pressure for Gruden when you make this type of money, like part of the reason Andy Reid makes all this money, or Bill Belichick makes all this money, or Sean Payton or Pete Carroll make all this money, they go to the playoffs every single year. And I gave Gruden a pass the last two years. Their team sucked. Part of that was self-inflicted. I mean, he did trade Khalil Mack. He did trade Amari Cooper. But like, he's building his own team. But now every single guy on this team is his hand-picked player. Every single guy. There is not a player on the roster in 2020 that John Gruden does not want on the roster. So when you have that type power and you're making that type money, like you got to get something done. I, and even all I, if he makes the playoffs. I'll tip my hat. That'd be for the Raiders. That's a big deal. It'd be the second time they made the playoffs in basically two decades. That's a big deal for the Raiders. But like, you got to get there. You know, this is, you got seven seeds now as of right now, potentially go to eight. But if we stay with the seven seed formula, like they gotta, they gotta be one of those seven teams. Cause they're clearly good enough. They have one of the best offenses in the league and they got a quote unquote, $10 million coach. So it's time to get it done. Okay, let's just fly through some thoughts on the upcoming weekend's games. And I talked about on Tuesday show, the, the pressure with every loss, regardless that the guy's a Super Bowl champ, is going to grow on Doug Peterson. Because they can't get rid of Carson Wentz. They've invested too much. They play the Browns on the road. <laughs> That's a tough game. I mean, the Eagles are an underdog, basically three and a half, four points, depending on where you look, and they're just not playing very well. I mean, the Eagles are not a good football team. I, I just, how can I envision them winning this game? I, I, I really can't, especially with the way Carson has played. He's turned the ball over too much. So if the Eagles lose this game, they're three, six, and one, and just in shambles, and I'd say Doug Peterson is just kind of fighting for his job. And the Browns would be six, or excuse me, seven and three, basically in the driver's seat for the playoffs. Uh, Joe Burrow had a great quote this week that was like, uh, you know what, in in a season that's quote unquote kind of a lost season, you guys aren't going to win any games, what can you take away from it beside wins and losses? And his response was simple, wins and losses. I love that he's a no fluff guy. I love that he's a no, like, cliche, all the bullshit. Like, Russell Wilson, I love Russell Wilson, the player. The, the, he's like a robot character. He's like he's like a fictional movie character, the way he talks. It's, it's not real. I, I like real. It's what we do on this show. I just like real people. They can just have normal conversations. They can just talk that aren't fake. Like, watch a Sean Payton press conference. Watch an Andy Reid press conference. Hell, watch a Gruden press conference. Watch a Kyle Shanahan press conference. They can just talk. In their own ways, but it's like it's not. They don't just live in cliches, and and I don't expect players and coaches to like give me inside information. But just be real. And I, I Joe Burrow, his team sucks. I mean, they're gonna win probably four games max. But God, I appreciate just how honest and, and candid the guy is. If I'm a if I'm a Bengals fan, I am doing cartwheels so that we ended up with this guy on our team uh lions panthers i just don't care now it's kind of crazy the lions win that game they'd be five and five steelers jags i mean the jags are one and eight even though they're kind of been a competitive one and eight steelers more than likely are going to go 10 and 0 let's get to the big game or a big game titans at the ravens and you know they played each other in the playoffs titans kicked their ass we all saw it and it's kind of ever since then I wouldn't say a referendum on Lamar, but it started trending in the wrong direction. If Lamar was a stock, the stock had peaked before he went into that game, and it has been on a tailspin since. Now, the Ravens are at home, no fans, so it just what does it really matter? The Titans, I, I just don't know if they're that good. Their defense is not good. They, I think they're one of the worst third-down defenses in the league. Uh, they just, if Derrick Henry doesn't go nuts... And he can go nuts, and he did last year against the Ravens. They struggle to win. Now, the Ravens, I go, well, it's not like I trust Lamar. He's just kind of been a shell of what he was last year. To me, this is a coin flip game. I mean, the Ravens are almost a seven-point favorite. I don't know, but here's what I do know. If the Ravens win this game, they're 7-3. We feel good about them being a lock wild card. They lose this game. They're 6-4. All of a sudden, the Titans win, and if the Colts were to win, and the Raiders and the Browns win, I guess the Raiders probably might not win against Chiefs. But you start going, the Dolphins were to win, all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball to get a playoff seed. This game's massive. I, I, I'm just, I, I would pick the Ravens probably in this game, but I have zero faith right now in the way they're playing offense. Patriots at the Texans. You know what's crazy? Just like 2 or 3 weeks ago we're like, you know, and I did myself. And I still don't think the Patriots have talent on their roster. It's like, you know, it's going to be really hard for Belichick to win 5 games. All of a sudden, he wins this week. He's 5 and 5. He's 5 and 5 with one of the shittiest rosters in the league. Now, he handpicked every player, but the opt-outs, the just the misses on the draft, his team stinks. And I don't know. I mean, New England's favorite in the game. I, I just I'll be shocked if the Texans win this game. Here, here's another elephant in the room: Deshaun Watson hasn't been good this year. He, he, you know he has he has 18 touchdowns, but when you watch him, he just he's not quite the same guy. His to me that dropping his head in the pocket when he scrambles around, it's just I I feel he, he, something on the eye test doesn't pass. For a guy that we thought was going to be like a top five quarterback, he has not been that guy this year. Now coach fired you have the preacher Jack Easterby running the franchise Belichick then says he's not a personnel guy some weird chick Romeo Cornell just terrible head coach it's not I'm not putting it all on him the Texans are a joke franchise I mean they traded away DeAndre Hopkins probably the second best player in the franchise history behind JJ Watt but still like they need the key to the franchise is him it's it's all about him. Uh, Dolphins at the Broncos. I mean, the Dolphins win this game. They are seven and three, seven and three. And I think Brian Flores, and I know probably the Steelers are going to be 10 and 0, but I think even Steeler fans will tell you, yeah, if you gave the coach of the year to Brian Flores, we, we wouldn't be mad. (laughs) You know, that's, that's an incredible coaching job. Jets, Chargers, gross. I guess I'll watch for Herbert. I mean, I won't actually watch, but I'll, I'll pay attention. This game's big. Packers at the Colts. Uh, You know, Aaron Rodgers has 26 touchdowns this year. He's having one of his best seasons in years. But when you watch the Packers, their defense leaves a little something to be desired. They can't stop the run. And I think people like me go, you know, clearly their offense, when healthy, is good enough to win the Super Bowl. But I don't have faith in their defense. Literally none. Mike Pettin, clearly not a very good defensive coordinator, who just a year or two ago I thought was pretty good, but you ask any Packer fan, they want him gone. The Colts, who are the opposite, their defense is fantastic. DeForest Buckner has been easily one of the best offseason moves in in recent memory, let alone this season. They win this game. They'd be 7-3 and with just huge wins the last two weeks over the Titans, and then over the Packers. And they'd be in the driver's seat, especially if the Ravens were to beat the Titans to win the division, which is crazy because you watch their offense. You go, God, it just doesn't work. Here's what you can do against the Packers. You can run the football. Here's a problem. They drafted Jonathan Taylor, who I, like everyone I knew in the NFL, really, really liked. I I thought he was going to be like, he justified the pick. I thought it was going to be one of those early second round picks that was going to pop like a Nick Chubb. He has been terrible. I mean, he looks awful. Now maybe it's a Wisconsin thing because I remember six seven years ago when Melvin Gordon was drafted by the Chargers, he looked like a bust year one, and then he became you know he had two or three years where he became a really good player. But they need to get him. They need to be able to run the ball. Now, luckily, they have Hines, who's good running back. He should be able to gash the Packers. Their best chance to win this game is to run the ball, control the clock, and keep Rodgers off the field. Now, I bet Uberflus and some of the guys on defense might say, "Yeah, we're not." We got We play anyone well, which might be true. But if the Colts are going to win this game, the time of possession clock is going to have to be in their favor with them controlling the ball at the line of scrimmage with the run. Slow down the game. I just don't know if they can do that because I, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor brings anything to the, to the table. I'd lean the Packers in this game, but the, this game, one, I'll be definitely be watching. Cowboys at the Vikings. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. The Cowboys are a joke. They're 2-7, 0-4 oh on the road. I don't see how they win this game. The Vikings, if they were to win, which I expect them to, four straight wins, 5-5, five and five, still probably a long shot for the playoffs, but I wouldn't count them out. I mean, Justin Jefferson's become a star. Dalvin Cook's one of the best players in the league. Thielen is just a fantastic number two wide receiver. Cousins just say, call him a game manager all you want, but he manages the game pretty well for what they want to do. That That defense has really come on. Um, I I like the Vikings in this game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
3: I'm CJ
1: Toledano, and we're starting a
3: new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
0: I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because ain didn't need it.
3: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: tirerack.com the way tire buying should be
1: okay let's do a little three for the money like making my people a little cash coming into last week i was 18 and 12 so last week i took the jags plus 13 and a half nailed it bucks minus five nailed it over under shootout in seattle did not hit so I am 20-13 and 13 on the season. Let's go into uh, this beautiful week, the week before Thanksgiving. I actually feel really good about... I, I feel good about all three games. feel I feel great about this first one. The Wisconsin Badgers have proven to be the second best program right now in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten and the SEC kind of go back and forth with who's the best. It, it, this year, I, I can't even judge anybody. You could argue the ACC with Clemson, Notre Dame have the two best teams. But Ohio State, Wisconsin, top two is pretty damn good. Bama, Florida, pretty damn good. It, we could argue till we're blue in the face. And again, I college football this year is a little weird. I mean, it's really weird. But here's what I do know. The Wisconsin Badgers and Paul Chris kicked the shit out of people. Jim Leonard, who when I was in the NFL was like Rex Ryan's guy, the little safety, Uh, I guess he's not little, but yeah, he's on the smaller side. Has become one of the better defensive coordinators in all of college football. Paul Chris has proven the last several years to be one of the better offensive coordinators in college football, just with his run scheme. Now he has a quarterback in this Mertz kid. I get Michigan's kind of in tatters right now. They beat the living crap out of Michigan. That was JV versus varsity, and it's really been that way two years in a row. They play Northwestern on the road, minus seven and a half. I love I love the Badgers. I think the Badgers win this game probably by twenty. I like Fitzgerald. I have friends in the league that know him, work for him, and, and swear by him. I have nothing but respect for the guy. His team just doesn't have the talent. Uh, I, I'd expect Wisconsin to roll these guys. The New England Patriots, like I said, they're they're a win away from being five and five. With just two or three weeks ago, we thought they were destined to go five and eleven, and this is what Bill Belichick does. Because have you noticed the last couple weeks? No Coronas. They've been able to have practice. Bill Belichick's best attribute in the league is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As much as it is on Sunday. It's getting his team ready on the practice field. In the meeting rooms. That is his number one separating factor. Is out-scheming you during the week You've heard Cam Newton. I think he said it after the game against Lamar. He was like, you think Belichick has that easy button that you get at Office Depot? It's crazy. Everything he says comes to fruition. Well, when they were sending people home and doing virtual meetings, it's not the same. Once he gets you on the practice field, advantage the hoodie. I love his advantage this week. Romeo Cornell. I'd bet the farm against that guy every day of the week and 10 times on Sunday, whoever's coaching against him, let alone if it's Belichick. Patriots, minus one and a half. Depending on where you look, I see two on uh, on some sites. At Houston, like them to win. I like them to kick the Texans' butt. Chiefs minus seven. Here's the number one stat of the week. Andy Reid is 18-3 and three coming off a bye. We've heard it for years. He's, in a, like Belichick, his great advantage is during the week. As much as it is on Sunday, I've seen it. The work ethic is... Is elite. I mean, he's an absolute grinder. But when you give him extra time, that's why he dominates. The, the, the numbers speak for themselves. Here's the other factor. The Raiders beat him. Like, they, they've already played this team, and they beat him. You don't want to lose too straight to the Raiders. Now, you would still be in first place in the division, but still, they're coming into this game. Steve Curry has used this term forever with the Warriors. You have to have appropriate fear for your opponent. And I think, listen, I don't know if the Chiefs viewed the Raiders the first time like they will this time. The Raiders have the majority of their defense are not going to be able to practice all week because of contract tracing. So you're not going to be able to get the reps on the field against the Chiefs. That's defenders against the reps against the Chiefs offense. Just a year ago. Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdowns against this defense in a quarter. I like the Chiefs minus seven. I think that number's already gone up a little bit with the with the guys on the COVID list. But I'm going Badgers minus seven and a half at Northwestern. I'm going the Patriots minus one and a half at the Houston Texans. That, I love that game. I like the Badgers too. And then the Chiefs, whatever you can get them. I, I think they win this game by double digits, eighteen and three off a of buy, eighteen and three. And then there's rumors circulating that the Raiders did a little circles around uh, Arrowhead and the buses. So you get a little bulletin board material uh, for the Super Bowl champs, but uh, three for the money. Let's get it. Okay, let's bang out a couple questions Add John Middlecoff. I know some of you guys sent me some questions. uh, Sometimes I get to this part and I'm like, you know, it's already 55 minutes in. I'm kind of tired, but you know, I owe it to the people. I owe it to the people. I hear the criticism of Wentz and he's had a poor year. Granted, the line of weapons continue to be an issue, but I see this as a coaching problem. Doug hasn't been good for two years, no imagination on offense, and Wentz has clearly regressed since Frank left. Carson being the biggest investment on the roster means the organization has to find a way to maximize the talent. To me, Doug either doesn't want to or can't. I think it's time to look at other coaches, whether in college or the NFL, and hear how they would design an offense to maximize Carson Wentz, then decide on who to go with. We've seen the work. We've seen this work recently with uh, coaches like the Cardinals, the Rams, the 49ers, Packers, etc. It's time to make a change and look to replace Doug. If you were in charge, would you be aggressive enough to make that move so quickly after the Super Bowl win? Listen, I like Doug Peterson a lot. He's really, he's cool as shit to me. So I I hate, honestly, it was hard for me even to do it. But like, you know, I, I had to do, I just... It was a take. I had to do it. Like I'm not rooting for him to lose his job. I like Doug Peterson. I don't I don't have, I don't even text with him or anything, but like whenever I see him at the combine or whatever, he's cool. Uh but I just I'm just looking at it logically from Lurie's standpoint, going he might be in some trouble. I I, I think like they play the Browns this week. To me, if they win like four games this year, I, I think you gotta fire him. Because you're so all your chips are in the middle of the table on Carson Wentz. To me, it's about wins. You know, if he wins four games, if you go four, what would it be? Four 11-1 or something, I I just think, I think he's probably, I, I don't think he's got to go. I'm not going to say that. Like, I have no problem saying that, but like guy I know and like, like, I I do, I, you know me. Like, I'll talk shit about anybody. I'm a little uncomfortable doing that. I'm not rooting for him to lose his job, but... He wins four games. My guess is he gets fired. That, that's probably the best way I put it. And I do think Jeffrey would fire him just because if they win four games, it's going to look terrible. Last week looked awful. They can't beat the Giants. How are they going to beat the Browns? The Browns are way better than the Giants. How are they going to block Miles Garrett? How are they going to stop those running backs? Baker's not even good. I just, they're in trouble this week. I think this week could look kind of ugly. Like, I think they could just kind of get their ass kicked. I'm curious to hear your opinion on Joe Judge. I just gave a bunch. I know you were negative on the preseason when he made the coaches run. While I don't think they are all that talented, it does seem, though, they're moving in the right direction, especially in the offensive and defensive lines. They've been competitive in every game but one. The players seem to play hard. P.S. I still hope they fire Gettleman. See, that's going to be the problem. I think you guys know I talked about Judge earlier. He's growing on me, especially if he fought Mark Colombo. If he he threw a punch at Mark Colombo... I'm all fucking in on Joe Judge. <laughs> I'll buy a Joe Judge hat. Uh, here's the problem: when you when you hire a guy like Joe Judge with a general manager that you're already thinking about firing, so you fire Dave Gettleman. Well, then what do you do? Because clearly Joe Judge is pretty good. Do you let him hire the general manager? Do you hire the general manager? It becomes a tough spot. I, I think Gettleman's got to go, but I, I don't really know how that works. You know, it's kind of a tough spot. Klay Thompson is the definition of a war daddy. Yeah, I mean Klay Thompson getting hurt—that sucks. I love Klay Thompson. First time I ever—I used to go to games before Durant got there. I used to go to games a lot, and I used to go. The great part about going, like when you go to an NFL game, even if you have a media pass, you can go on the field, but you don't. It, it's pretty like everyone's pretty tight on the field. Maybe a couple coaches are loose, but all the players like it's it's a pretty focused environment. In basketball and especially baseball. When you're a media guy and you get there way before the fans like you bullshit with the players. I remember meeting Clay probably before they became the Splash Bros when Mark Jackson was still the coach. And we just started talking about this NFL quarterback and he was I asked him he, I knew he knew him and he was just talking all the shit about him and we were just he didn't know me and we were just kind of crushing this guy. I and I just I've been a huge Clay Thompson fan forever. Clay Thompson's the man devastated they got hurt he's probably my favorite player in the league heard you ran on the Colts situation badass team house with no legit quarterback water uh i also heard coward's theory the cowboys might be in the market for a quarterback with a high pick this year if so do you think dak prescott might end up in indy and if so would he be quality enough to make the house house enough i don't really know what this question is i i see what you're saying I think Dak Prescott's just back with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys use one of those picks to pick a good player. If Dak were to hit the free agent market, I think there would be, I think Indy would be interested. If Roethlisberger were to retire, I think the Steelers would be interested. I think the Patriots would be interested. I think the Jaguars would be interested, unless they had the second pick and they were going to take Justin Fields. He would definitely have a market. Who knows with the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo, if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots, even though it turns out Jimmy Garoppolo has no trade clause, but. Maybe he would waive the no trade trade clause to go to the Patriots. Uh, Dak is either going to be on the Cowboys or he's going to get a big deal from someone else. As, l- as long as like his ankle checks out and it's not like he doesn't have any setbacks. Uh, I-, I would imagine that Frank would like, they would like Dak Prescott. I'd rather have Dak Prescott than, than uh, Sam Darnold. The problem is to get Dak Prescott, you got to pay him a lot of money. Sam Darnold, you got to trade maybe a pick for him, but his, he's relatively cheap. Like, the one thing with getting Dak Prescott, even off the broken ankle, you got to give him, like, $100 million. And I think anyone listening knows where I stand. Like, I, I like Dak. I just, I would struggle to give him a huge contract. And I know it's never been easier to play quarterback, but God. And I know his numbers, he was putting up great numbers. I root for the guy. I mean, he's a great human, high character guy. He's pretty good quarterback. I just, unless your name's like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, I just, I struggle to give you like $120 million. See what happened with the Falcons? They gave Matt Ryan all that money. How'd that turn out? And he'd accomplished a lot more than Dak Prescott. So I I just, I think Dak's a complicated one. I think a lot of teams would like him, but at what price? And one thing's clear, he's going to want a lot of money. Especially after breaking the ankle, he's going to want some security. And I don't blame him. But if I'm on the other side, like I'm not really into giving him huge cash. Appreciate everyone listening. Again, 3 and Out Podcast, go subscribe, leave a little review. Have a great weekend. And uh, enjoy the games. See you next week. Peace.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue.
1: the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com, Tennessee. Sounds perfect.